to box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box. Now, 16 months after leading Chelsea to Champions League glory, Thomas Tuchel returned to Stamford Bridge from last week's humiliation at the hands of Dinamo Zagreb in that same competition with no inkling that his 100th match as Chelsea head coach would also be his last. Instead of addressing down his players, instead of dressing down his players as the famously cantankerous manager would likely have done, he was instead summoned to a conference call and relieved of his duties. Unlike the old days of Roman Abramovich, whose skills as executioner of his managers were akin to a thief in the night under Todd Bowley, this was closer to an Ocean's Eleven operation and a man who's had a front row seat is the Athletics. And we welcome him back to the show. How are you, Liam? Been quite a week or so. <laughs> it sure has, mate. I mean, uh, did, did I do, draw too long a bow with my analogy there? I mean, uh, Roman was known to have the sort of a the, the stiletto knife ready to plunge uh, at a moment's notice, but this one under Bowley seems to have been a, uh, uh, quite a stage-managed operation. Very much in, in tune with recent Chelsea history, I would say, in terms of the ruthlessness of it. Um, and yeah, you're right in saying that this that this was very much planned. Um, that was the impression that Tuchel came away from from the conference call that he was summoned to uh, with that, that, that this had been not a not an impulsive decision from the ownership. And we we found out in the course of putting our big um, Tuchel sacking read together late last week that. They've been monitoring Graham Potter for several weeks and that they, they already knew quite a lot about him when Chelsea signed Mark Cucurea from Brighton. So they'd done plenty of due diligence and you know when they were talking about evaluating every aspect of the club over these first 100 days, um, I think maybe not enough of us realised that they, that also meant the head coach was under scrutiny and, uh, and Tuchel wasn't. Given all the problems behind the scenes, Tuchel, Tuchel was, was not going to get a very long leash in terms of results and performances on the pitch. And that article you talk about in The Athletic, um, where you've uh, teamed with uh, Simon Johnson and, and other journos on uh, on the beat at Stamford Bridge, summarises in several bullet points quite clearly that uh, uh, it was... Uh, a combination of, of elements from the players feeling isolated to uh, um, alleged slapstick moments that um, that some of the new American ownership uh, were involved in. Yeah, so I mean, you have to you have to bear in mind when putting this thing together that there's going to be a lot of briefing and counter briefing, especially when there are some real hurt feelings on on both sides. And um, I think we ended up w- with a good balance in the piece where none of the parties involved would be entirely happy with what was in there. <laughs> Um, but I think it, we've we've represented the way everyone was thinking. There were certainly, you know, there, there there were certainly accusations from the from more of the Tuchel side of things um, that there were a few moments like that where the new owners betrayed their lack of knowledge of of European football. There was one that's in the piece of them drawing up like a, a formation graphic in an early recruitment meeting, and it was four four three. Um, with eleven outfield players, which of course could could also just be an honest mistake. Um, Chelsea denied that that happened. In any case, you can see why they would anyway. Um, but it's so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff like that in there. Tuchel felt frustrated, I think, 
under the new ownership, especially when he was constantly comparing it to what he'd walked into with Petr Cech and Marina Granovskaya, the people that had appointed him. And in the end, that tension between the club that Chelsea was when it hired him and the club that Chelsea had become by the time the decision was made to let him go uh, was unbridgeable. Um, in terms of the club that Chelsea are now, um, this is quite a big change of direction, obviously, in terms of the type and calibre, I suppose, of manager that they would traditionally go for. You know, they've obviously gone for Mourinho when he was the coming man, uh, Andrew Villas-Boas, if you want to go that far, Big Phil Scolari, um, you know, Sari, you know, and they've often gone for big name, big reputation um, foreign managers as opposed to uh, as opposed to Eng- English managers, so to speak. Um, so th- can you just go through how big a change it is for them to go for someone like Potter rather than sort of going overseas and looking for a, a big name coach? Yeah, I think it's a really big break. Um, I think it marks out this, this new ownership group as maybe not the stereotype of the new splashy owner that a lot of people were keen to paint them as in their first summer, but understandably so given the extent of the spending. Um, They've not gone for a name. They've not gone for a guy with a long track record of winning trophies and competing at the highest level. They've gone for a coach that is essentially an investment in Graham Potter in in potential and and in the the kind of skills that they feel he brings to the table, his ability to to improve players, albeit a lower calibre of player generally, um, and to overachieve again with with a a smaller scale of club. Um, so it so it is a kind of an unknown really in that sense. And I th- to be honest, towards the end of the Abramovich era, you'd started seeing slightly less proven coaches get the job. Um, I think maybe because they'd exhausted all the proven coaches in <laughs> Europe after a while. I mean, Maurizio Sarri had never won anything when he came in, or certainly not at the top level. He was one of the most fashionable um, and sort of coveted coaches in Europe, but he, he didn't have the trophies behind him. And of course, Frank Lampard had had just one season of experience and plus the the club legend side of it and that whole connection. But Potter is another sort of right done from all of that, I think, um, in that he's being hired as a as a pure coach for his coaching skills. Um, and they're betting that he can kind of scale up to a club that aspires to win everything and to achieve at that level. Do we know how much Chelsea had to fight to secure Potter's services? I mean, it you know, it was a very quick appointment in the sense from the from the departure to the to his arrival, but he was obviously quite comfortable at Brighton. There was obviously lots of good things happening there as he was building his reputation. Did, were there any assurances that Chelsea had to make uh, to him around how the club would be run, or was it a sense of a big club's come knocking and he's just jumped ship? I think there there, there will have been a sense of. Chelsea wooing Potter as well as Potter wooing Chelsea because they've handpicked him. He was always the first choice when, in the weeks before Tuchel um, was going to be sacked, and uh, and he'd turned down Tottenham in the past. So it's clear that he wasn't the type of coach that was just going to jump at the first opportunity that came calling. He he wanted to have a level of confidence um, in the people that he would be working with. He had a really close relationship with Tony Bloom and Paul Barber at at the top of Brighton. I think he wants to work for people that he can develop that same level of 
um, rapport with. So when you're meeting Todd Bowley and Badareg Bali, I think that's the that was what Potter was looking for. Um, and I think when you know when the owners, when the Chelsea owners were meeting him, what they were looking for was kind of reinforcement of what they'd already heard about him. Um, and whether he would make that impression in person in terms of the way that he tries to build a team, the way that he envisions leading a club uh, and and managing players. So um, I think that that would have all been going on during those talks in London. In terms of the negotiation, I think it was very straightforward um, because Potter had a, a, a defined buyout clause in his contract. It was not the most conventional one because it was tied to... Um, the amount of time he had left on his contract. So it was always going to be quite a big number, but it was still a defined number. It wasn't a case of, it wasn't the Cucurea talks where, mm-hmm. you know, Todd Bowley and Paul Barber are going back and forth and, and eventually after a few days come to a, come to a figure they agree on. It was pretty quick. Um, Brighton gave permission for the talks pretty quick. And I think they had a sense as soon as Chelsea made the approach, I think they had a, had a sense that Potter was minded to go. Yeah, and we're talking to you now, um, I suppose, at a very strange time in in the United Kingdom at the moment, uh, a time of a time of mourning. And Chelsea were looking to rush this in because they thought that uh, there was a game against Fulham that was going to happen this weekend, and of course, uh, the whole football calendar in the in, in the UK was cancelled. That's that's presumably worked out quite well from uh, Chelsea and Potter's point of view. It gives them a a bit more time to. Um, to get organised, I suppose. But what what do you think to that? And also, what are the likely things that are going to be in his in-tray in terms of things he's going to have to start working on immediately at the club? Yeah, I mean, obviously, no one could have foreseen the way things have gone since the appointment, but it, it does have the benefit of giving him some time on the training pitch. And that's the thing that was going to be most limited in these first few months because September was really the only opportunity for him to to try and implement any sort of tactical principles that he wants to do um, because from October the 1st to no- November the 12th when the season breaks up for the World Cup Chelsea got 13 games so they're playing every three days everything's going to be recovery and, and match preparation there isn't going to be a lot of time to implement anything broader than that so um, I think this does help now um, and we'll, we'll, we'll see what Potter makes of it um, but it's a it's an opportunity and a, and a big challenge, I think. I think for Chelsea right now and for and for Potter, he needs to get his team comfortable at Cobham. Um, in terms of the immediate challenges, as with any new coach, you need to try and bring the squad together. I don't think it was, you know, super divided internally, but there were certainly players that were very disaffected under Tuchel. Quite a large number of them, um, the ones who maybe weren't getting the the game time that they wanted they didn't feel involved and invested in the in the, in the squad success that's always a tough challenge for any coach but when you come in you have the benefit as a new coach of being able to grant a clean slate as Tuchel did when he succeeded Lampard um, and you can try and bring everyone in as time goes by it gets harder but initially this should be the easier bit um, and then he needs to find a way to tighten up the defence because that was really what did for Tuchel when he came in. He made Chelsea arguably the best defensive team in the world. Those standards really slipped over the last nine, ten months. Um, and then f- finally get a way to to get a couple of these attackers at least um, looking like the best versions of themselves, because that's something that Tuchel never managed to consistently do 
in his system. So Potter has to find a find a tactical framework that makes sense, whether that looks similar to what Tuchel's done with the back three and wing backs. And we know Potter's played that system at Brighton. Um, we'll have to see, but he has to find something that makes sense for this group of players. Um, and of course, there, there are some new faces in the squad as well. So help them continue to assimilate and just try to hit the ground running whenever Chelsea do play their first game. And just finally, on your, your soundings of Graham Potter, there's been a lot written in the last week about his uh, personal management style as well as his style um, of football, uh, the the, uh, the structure that he uh, he likes to have in place. Um, but uh, you know, some of the uh, the patience and the the willingness to to uh, regard any spell of indifferent results as part of a process uh, are not going to be the sort of uh, uh, opportunities given to him at Chelsea. Um, he's written a letter to to the Brighton fans. It sort of seems to be an insight into the nature of the man himself. Um, you've obviously seen that letter. Um, what, what do you read from that and uh, and as an insight into to the, the man that uh, will arrive or already has arrived at Stanford Bridge? He's almost apologising for his ambition, isn't he? Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's like, I'm sorry I had to leave, but I did have to leave. Um, Yeah, I think it was a very decent thing to do. It was was a nod to the connection that he'd built there, not just with the people at the club, with the players, but the bond that he'd had with the fans. And I know know it was reported a little bit last season and it became a little bit of a thing that fans were booing when they weren't scoring goals and drawing games and he had a little bit of a bite back at them. But that seems to have been very much the exception of Potter's time at Brighton. I think that the fans have been very much behind him and what he's been trying to do. Um, and he's helped, he's really helped build that relationship as well. I think that's something he needs to do at Chelsea. He needs to get the fans on side. I don't think they will hold it against him that Tuchel is gone because that's not the way Chelsea fans typically um, operate. They're very used to managers getting sacked at this point. And, and even if there is a lot of affection and a lot, uh, for Tuchel still and a lot of disappointment that he's gone, but that won't be something that lingers for Potter. I think they're, they're willing to give him a chance and, and see what he can do. Um, as for the time, that will really come from the club. This is the big test now because they've, they've hired a, a sort of, they've hired a long-term manager, given him a long-term contract. Um, they now need to be prepared to go long-term with this, even if the short-term has some real teething problems. Um, and that that will be a test because if, if, if Potter ends up leaving within a year, 18 months, that will reflect worse on the ownership than it will on Potter, I think, because he, he was brought in with a clear remit to, to, create, to create a new culture at the club and to try and, you know, in the long term, be the Klopp figure, be the Guardiola figure. And of course, winning has to be part of that. Competing for the biggest trophies has to be part of that. But there also has to be recognition that Chelsea haven't operated that way um, in any of our memories, really. So that it, it's not going to be a simple change. It's not going to be an overnight change. And at the same time, the owners are still looking to uh, make other hires. There's going to be a sporting director coming in at some point soon. There are going to be other hires within the sporting operation around and maybe above the team that Potter has brought in. So those people need to be assimilated and that, and that's all part of that culture building process. But Potter's job is to try and bring the players with him, bring the fans with him. And, um, and it, it, if he does that, 
you would think the results will follow to a degree and it's just up to the owners now to to follow through on all the all the messaging because you can't sack a Champions League winning coach um, and then judge the next guy on immediate, immediate results when you've appointed him on a long-term remit. Absolutely. Liam, thanks so much for joining us again, mate. Pleasure, guys. Anytime.